You are listening to Booch News with Ian Griffin, a podcast all about kombucha. I'm on the phone right now with Chris McCoy, who's the owner or the founder of Kombucha Town in Seattle. Hi, Chris. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Well, I'm good, and, and it's quite a coincidence because we just spoke in the last month uh, as part of the uh, material I was gathering for the Symbiosis magazine that Kombucha Brewers International put out about your culture cafe because we were focusing on tap rooms. And then, you know, so we'd already had a conversation when I saw your your announcements about the fundraising you're doing, which uh, it seems like uh, is what has it just started in the last couple of months or how long, when did you decide to, to kind of go forward to get more capital for the business? You know, as, uh, as any entrepreneur who's tried to grow in a business will likely know it takes a lot of money to grow a business. And so I've had to raise money at different phases of my business over the last gosh, nine years now, um, since I founded the company back in 2011. So, you know, once COVID hit, it kind of disrupted the more conventional investment pa- uh, pathways. And so I was just kind of looking at different different ways and different types of fundraising. And I'd seen, uh, like, crowdfunding before through platforms like Kickstarter and Indiegogo, which are very popular and are very consumer-facing. And they have incentives and products that people can earn by making contributions, but it's not an equity investment. And so that's something that we've been looking to really open up our business ownership model to a community-based model, and that's where equity crowdfunding really fit very well in that it actually enables people to both get incentives similar to a traditional crowdfunding model like Kickstarter, um, but actually get some ownership options and get interest on their investment as well as you know, potential equity down the road. So for me, that was an exciting model that, you know, not only created a new option in a time that normal investors and firms were very unsure to enable the community, our friends and family, and just a much broader and more diverse community of people than accredited investors who have to meet very specific and stringent requirements uh, to be owners in the company. And so that's something that really excites me you know, it really fits into our value system quite well in being very inclusive and, and helping build community. And so, you know, ultimately, from a, a high-level economic standpoint, I see it being a possibility to sort of close the wealth gap that has become more and more glaringly obvious these days that, you know, the rich get richer and then everyone else is sort of left behind just to, just to consume and not really have any opportunities to, to own the businesses that they that they enjoy and, and purchase products from. So that's kind of the, you know, the inspiration behind going that method. You know, it's a pretty good amount of work. There's a lot of due diligence that goes into it. Uh, we actually had to change our business model from an LLC to a C-Corp. And so that's a pretty, you know, pretty big lift from an organizational standpoint. Uh, and then you also have to go through rounds of legal due diligence for all the claims that you make in the, in the campaign as well as all the financial information. So there's a really good sort of overall audit of the business and our position and our strategy. So, and they, yeah, they really yeah. package it in a very nice way, which I really appreciate too, um, to show yeah, and share so, the story with people. 
Yeah, so, I mean, we can get into the details in a minute, but what you said up front, I think, struck me as, you know, I hear about crowdfunding. I think people know about Kickstarter. Certainly, I've had friends facing medical bills, and here in Northern California, we you know, people whose houses burn down, or and they go to crowdfunding basically for donations, right? It's like a tin cup yeah. online. But what you're saying is this is a tool called Start Engine where you, you're getting investment and you're not just asking for money as a kind of, hey, give me some money from my company because we're good guys, but you're selling shares through Start Engine, which, as you said, you've had to kind of be legally vetted uh, you can't just put up a website and start collecting the money. So when you mentioned it took a while, but when did you open it up then? Are we talking about the last couple of months, or has it been in place longer than that? So our, I think our official launch is August 11th, and it will run for 90 days. Uh, we are able to extend it if we would like. So far we've raised about $90,000 from 108 investors in sort of the first half of the campaign. Um, you know, obviously we've been doing a good amount of public outreach and public relations to try and earn some media to get some, you know, some attention from it. Also, you know, doing some paid advertising as well as just obviously friends and family marketing to our existing communities. So it's been running for about six weeks. Um, we're currently pleased with the results, um, but would definitely like to continue to kind of build momentum for it. You can actually raise up to a million dollars in a crowdfunding campaign, which is uh, based on the uh, Security Exchange Commission's Regulation CF, um, which is kind of what uh, – it's the rules that you have to abide by if you're going to solicit an investment to somebody who is not accredited. So that's, uh, that's kind of how we've structured it for now, and we're about halfway in, and we're excited to see you know, what other opportunities we can, we can garner in the second half of the campaign. Yeah, and, and so I'm looking at the web page now. So for people listening to the podcast on Apple, iTunes, or something who don't look at Boots News, uh, I just mentioned it's startengine, one word, dot com, slash kombuchatown. And there's the uh, investment uh, details, quite a lot of history of your company, videos, and then the, um, the, the offering, I guess you'd call it. And so, you know, I'm – this is the first I've heard of this. I can see that it says you can, the minimum amount people can put up is $250. I presume they can go multiples of that if they want to four times that and put in 1000 So can you explain, yeah. that then it says the annual interest rate, 8%, discount rate, 15%, and a convertible note. Now, without getting, you know, without taking hours, what basically are people getting? And then we can also talk about, the tree planting and the other good stuff that goes along with it. But from a financial okay. perspective, what do people say I put in a thousand dollars, right? What what do I when do I get my money back or how does that how does that investment work with the eight percent interest and so on? Of course. Yeah, so a convertible note is a way that people can essentially lend money to a business um, or any entity, but it, it would op it would operate uh, until it converts. Um, which can happen in a couple of ways as just a normal small, like a small business loan between two parties. And so that is where the interest rate comes in. You'll get that 8% APR, which is, you know, more than you'd get in a traditional bank account, similar to what you get on, a, a, you know, kind of a medium risk stock portfolio. Um, 
and that's that's guaranteed interest for it, at least two years, um, which is kind of the maturity date of the note. And so you'll get that. And then the 15% discount is sort of an added benefit to when it does convert, where you are able to either you're able you're able to cash out and earn your interest, or buy stock at the conversion co- conversion event at a 15% discount. So that means you're getting you're getting a a preferred price on the cost of shares to anyone else that's a part of that equity event. And so, you know, really it's if you look at it you're over the first 2 years of the note, which is the longest that it would take for you to kind of vest your interest and get your equity would be you're looking at almost 30% um, for two years with that discount. And then the, the end result of that would be, you know, stock is worth 30% more than you initially put in. Um, that conversion event is just either two years or if you raise a million dollars or more from any other party uh, as an equity sale. So there's two ways that that can convert, either over time or if we raise additional funds. And then at that point, you'll you'll earn your interest and get a discount on the equity um, that okay. you can then later sell or get dividends on from, you know, profits from the company's operations. Yeah, and that's all explained in this sort of the fine print on the web page that, and of course people should never, you know, invest unless, you know, they talk to a financial advisor. And so people who want the more specific details uh, can get that. But the other things that stood out to me is, you're offering kind of a, if you like, a goodie bag that goes along with that, both for the individual as well as for the environment. And it seems mm-hmm. like there's there's a, everything from uh, cooler backpacks to what? Do you you get a case of the kombucha, or you you can buy your products uh, at a discount if you if you put in like I see here, thousand dollars level three, three months product fifty. So does that mean I get what, do I get three months' worth of kombucha? Because you sell it in cans. You were the first company, I think, in the country to, yes. to sell in cans. And, and, and you did – I've ordered from you. You shipped me a case of kombucha, which arrived because it's very light to ship cans. So is that what you're offering, the, the, the thousand yeah, dollars, so three months' Yeah, so that's the added bonus, right? So from a pure investment standpoint, you've got your interest and your discount over the yeah. time, you know, the two years vesting period. And then we've got – additional incentives, which include things like product, as you mentioned, you know, we've got some, you know, branded merchandise, so you can have that to be able to use and enjoy and share. Um, and then also a big part of it, uh, since we are a environmental mission organization, is we've partnered with a group called One Tree Planted, and they plant trees you know, on sites like forest restoration sites all over the world. Um, the ones that we're currently planting in are in the Pacific Northwest on creeks and streams and lakes to restore salmon habitat. And so those at every level, for example, the $250 level, 10 trees are planted on your behalf by one tree planted. And so the cost to us for those trees is only a dollar. And so it's, a, it's, you know, it's only a few percent of the money that we're raising, um, but it has a substantial impact. And it's something that, you know, I believe that people that want to own or, you know, be very excited about, you know, being able to contribute to a small business, um, it's, it's something that they can really feel good about it. So at this point, having raised almost $90,000, we will have planted about 3,200 trees 
which is about 15 acres of reforestation. So to me, that's yeah. something I've always been an avid environmentalist. I grew up in rural Colorado and then moved to the Pacific Northwest, which are both very naturally beautiful places. Um, and, you know, we want to share those values with our customers and with our owners. And so that's something that, you know, while it's not as, it's not a designed to be as, you know, strictly profitable, it's designed to add value to the community and to our environment. And with that, you know, there is brand, there's branding value in that as well. And so our hope is to be able to create a brand and to create a business model that people are loyal to enough and are excited about enough consuming because it also helps them restore the environment that will be able to grow uh, and, and, you know, not only have a profitable company, but one that also helps, helps to kind of better the world uh, as opposed to just kind of extract profit and then give it to, you know, a few stakeholders, which is kind of the conventional business model that, you know, I personally think is uh, causing a lot of more issues in the world than good, um, creating this sort of uber-wealthy class when with things like these environmental partnerships as well as having a community-owned model where the people that consume our products can also own the, own the product and, you know, gain some of the benefit from it succeeding. Uh, to me, that just makes a lot more sense and something that, you know, creates a lot of purpose for me and adds a lot of value to society, which are kind of my main goals. I mean, obviously, I, I need to and want to make money off of this business venture, especially over time, but I want to do it in a way that I'm proud of and that I think will help cause some positive change in society. Yeah, I'm, I'm smiling when I hear you talk about the uber wealthy because I guess living in the Seattle area, you're quite aware of the fact you have both probably the the richest and the second richest guy in the world is neighbors with Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates. <laughs> they live like two houses from each other. It's silly. It's like this one neighborhood in Seattle that's just ridiculous. Oh, I thought you said they live two houses from you. They live close. Okay, they're not your neighbors. No, I live on like the highway and the, the freeway in a very small house. Right, but, right. Um, no, Jeff Bezos and, and Bill Gates are basically neighbors in a rich neighborhood in Seattle. Um, so it's well, there you go. Right? That wealth is right. It's like that one gated community contains two of the, the two richest people in the world. It's just, it's sad. Yeah, and, and, that hoarding of resources is just causing a lot of problems that are totally unnecessary if people just had a different value system. And I'm trying to, you know, be a catalyst for that change. Yeah, and, and I want to mention as well that you know. I think kombucha is still mostly sold either in kegs or glass bottles. And being the first company to can sell in cans, some people might like think, oh, you know, it's like buying a wine in a can or something, which I think you can get now. But, but you've actually, sort of, since you started nine years ago, you've sold over a million cans, which keeps a million bottles out of the landfill and, and helps, again, the environment because it, they're lighter to ship. Uh, which, of course, all kombucha gets shipped from the, where you make it to the wholesaler, to the yeah. store. And, uh, and, and then it, those aluminum cans, just like all aluminum, gets recycled quite easily. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, that was a big part of our initial sort of environmental commitment was, hey, these bottles are bulky, they break down, they degrade. Even if you recycle a glass bottle, it becomes less usable. Uh, in that the, the grade of the glass you just can't be, be recreated for the same use. So it ends up primarily as recycled glass, primarily ends up as a filler in concrete, which, you know, it's a, it's a reused type, but it's not something that you can make more 
of the same you know the same grade of glass out of versus aluminum you can reuse aluminum over and over and over essentially infinitely um, and so all of our cans are have already been cans uh, over 70% of the material that goes into them uh, which is they're actually manufactured in the United States as well which helps keep that money in the domestic economy um, it turns into another can right? It doesn't get crushed up and degraded or, you know, a lot of recycling, especially with plastic, a lot of plastic recycling really just ends up in the landfill. Unfortunately, um, you know, what people perceive as the recycling system isn't as uh, glorious and green as you would think. Um, so that's why we chose that. That was sort of our initial, our initial investment in an environmentally friendly model. And now that we're growing and branding and the, the, the community and in the industry is much more diverse and other brands have started to adopt the canned format. You know, we're adding layers of that commitment, that environmental, environmental commitment to our business model to show that, you know, we're a leader in this through our values, through our mission, um, and that we can do more than even just in our, in our packaging and our products and our facility to help protect the environment and restore the environment. Because, you know, the idea of sustainability is something that I was very much fascinated with, you know, when I was going to, to college at Western Washington University and now having gone through another decade of uh, human consumption, it's become fairly obvious that we really need to get into a regeneration mode where just sustaining ourselves is not really good enough. We have to actually repair some of the damage that we've done to get to a place of sustainability because we've essentially gone too far. Um, and so to me, that's what really drew me to the One Tree Planted organization because they're able to recover some of that damage that's been done through development to help restore the biodiversity uh, and create a, you know, a stable food system. So, you know, that's, that's really, if you want to take our, you know, why did we choose the can to a 30,000 foot level, kind of the thought process and the, and the work that we're doing. Right, right. So, yeah, I just wanted to... Um, also have you comment on what the funds are needed for I, I saw a report that says you you're planning to launch a line of live seltzer is that uh, something you can talk about yeah oh definitely thank you for for bringing it up it's definitely an important part of the the campaign itself because a large part of the proceeds from the campaign will be going to supporting our new product launch which is uh it, it's a it's a product line called Live Seltzer, and so it's the first probiotic seltzer water on the market. So it's a non-alcoholic product, so it's kind of in the same category as LaCroix or Waterloo or Spindrift, um, Bubbles, you know, all the different seltzer water brands that have been popping up and growing like crazy. Um, and so I saw that, and I started to consume it myself just to kind of avoid sugar, which is something that's, you know, becoming more and more common as sugar wreaks havoc on pretty much everyone in America. Um, and across the world, and I thought, hey, there's really the only value of this bubbly water is the fact that it doesn't have sugar in it, um, and it, a lot of them can contain artificial ingredients and other things that aren't necessarily good for you. You know, the idea of natural flavoring, it could be one of 5,000 different chemicals that are made in a chemical facility and are very far from natural. So, to me, I was like, we should, these products should have actual function. They should be adding value to the consumer's body and to their diet. And so I went, I went and rolled up my sleeves and went and formulated a few different products. And essentially it comes down to uh, blending our raw organic kombucha cultures with just 
spring water that we use for all of our products that comes from the Cascades. Um, and we, we do add a, a small amount of tea to that process as well to kind of build the body and the flavor of the formula. And so it's just a real, and then we use fresh pressed juice for actual, for the flavoring of it. So we have a cucumber, a grapefruit, and a ginger, the first three products that we'll be launching. Um, after getting our lab results back on the nutritional panel, it all has zero sugar, uh, which is fantastic. So we're able to use the culture to actually mitigate some of the sugar that comes from the fresh juice that we're putting in to make it to where this, there is no residual sugar in the final product and it ends up at just a one or two calorie per per can serving. So okay. that is something that is it fits all the buckets of and all the features of the, you know, no low, very low calorie, no sugar product, but also has rich in antioxidants from our teas, great probiotic profile coming from all of the culture that we add, um, and a really delicious, refreshing, crisp flavor that you expect from a from a seltzer water product. So we're quite pleased in that and getting a lot of high-level interest from, you know, both local and, and larger buyers. And so that's why we're raising the funds is so that we can be able to keep up with that demand, go into printed cans versus sleeved cans, which is what we used on small runs when we first developed products. So that'll help us reduce our waste and also reduce our costs so we have better margins on those products. So. Um, yeah, it's an exciting innovation. It is breaching into a new category, which is also nice because kombucha has become a very crowded and competitive category. And so, you know, we're innovating in a way to become more than just a kombucha company and become really a, a beverage company that creates, you know, better options than exist on the market today, which primarily come from publicly traded large sort of commodity companies like Pepsi and Coke and all the big beverage companies. Uh, and, and don't have a lot of benefit to the consumer and do just perpetuate that, you know, uber wealth cycle of the few stakeholders that own the companies and then everyone else just kind of ending up without any, no other option than consuming. So that's uh, right. the new product in a nutshell, and we're really excited about it. And when is that? Is it already on the shelves, or when do you expect people to be able to find so it you, in the store? You can get it online currently. Uh, the only way to get it is through our website. Uh, it'll be getting added to Amazon in the next few months. Our first retail activation is the quarter, the first quarter of 2021. It'll be rolling out to Whole Foods in the Pacific Northwest. Um, and we're talking to a handful of other chains now uh, to get placement there. Uh, we'll be building out sort of a local, you know, working with a lot of our local customers for initial go-to-market. And then as the reviews, COVID has caused an interesting uh, disruption in the normal buying process for new products for most retailers. And so we had a lot of accounts already already set up for the rollout from Expo West, which was canceled. Um, and so most of that business got canceled as well, which has been a big oh. detriment to the business. So that's been kind of the big kind of struggle of the year coming from COVID. But you know, it's given us time to refine, develop, and improve the product so it's really ready to go to market in a strong way um, and raise funds so that we can actually get more market share down the road as buyers start to bring in new products again and the normal review cycle of new products from, from larger retailers kind of resumes its normal process. So that, is, yeah. that has been something that's caused a challenge from a COVID standpoint. So um, you know, we shall see. We're presenting to Kroger and 
in November. So hopefully that'll give us a big anchor to be able to announce people being able to get it in store uh, on a much wider basis. Yeah, well, great. Well, this has been quite uh, instructive, and um, I, I think it's, uh, it is one, sounds like a unique uh, opportunity for people to, to support your business, plant a few trees, but also uh, get an equity stake in Kombucha Town. So thanks so much for talking with us, Chris. Well, thank you, Ian. I really appreciate your time, and uh, yeah, I look forward to more discussions in the future. Thanks for listening to Booch News. For more about kombucha, please visit boochnews.com.